Welcome to season two of the Age Sister podcast. This season, we're talking all about women at work. So let's get started with today's expert. Hey, everyone. You know, one of those women who comes into a room, comes onto the Zoom call, comes onto a phone call and just lights it up. That's my guest today, Marilyn Gilbert Mitchell. She is not only smart and well-educated, but she's also so engaging and fun. Um, So what you need to know about Marilyn is that she's a 23-year educator, and she really believes that all students can pursue education beyond high school. Marilyn has directly assisted more than 250 students in securing over 1,200 college acceptances, and over $16.4 million in scholarships. So her life's mission is really around helping students win with college and supporting families through the college transition and others. Her motto is with proper planning, college is more than possible. So welcome, Marilyn. Thank you. Well, I'm glad to be here. Thank you, Kate. Yeah, it's so great to have you here. I'm I'm really excited to talk to you today, of course, being a parent myself of one in university and one on the way, um, one on the way to university, that is. <laughs> um, so I just wanted to ask you about what brought you to doing this work that you're doing. It's so interesting. You don't hear this kind of role very often. So I'd love to hear all about it. How'd you get here? Well, it is. I'll give you the brief version of it. So I am a second generation educator. I come from a family of educators. So in my household, college was not an if, it was a when. And, and so I didn't know much about college. My mother talked to the assistant principal at my high school and told me, you're going to this particular college, Tuskegee University, where my sister went and graduated and did well. And I just said, OK. So now we have students who are much more involved and where they want to go, and they're they're part of the decision, which is great. Um, However, I found in working at a high school, and I live in Chicago, Illinois, I found that oftentimes students did not know of their options, and not just college, but all of the post-secondary options. We're talking about apprenticeships and internships and two-year colleges, which we call community colleges or four-year colleges and universities. You know, they didn't get all of those options, because they may have come from a family that we call first gen. So the first generation in their family to go to college. So that is part of the process. And so as I was working with my students, I was seeing that they weren't even thinking about college. It wasn't even something that was on their mind because it wasn't something they were exposed to. So many times I saw adults decide where students should go. You know, oh, your hair is always cute. You should go to cosmetology school. Oh, you're good with your hands. You could probably build things, you know, and it's nothing wrong with seeing gifts that students have, but not to sway them because they're like a blank slate. They don't know. So I saw my role as exposing students to all of these different things and then them figuring out, oh, I like this or I'm interested in this. And then we could move forward from there. So from working in a high school seeing students not having options exposed to them or experience for them, seeing disparities with other schools that have predominantly either white populations or affluent populations or financially wealthy populations who were getting much more opportunities made me say, okay, my children are in this age range too. I need to learn more about this so I can be the door. I can be the bridge. 
and I could connect students between where they are now and wherever their dreams would take them to go. And so that's how I got into this field, just wanting to help my students, my own children and their friends and making myself learn. I call it the game of college by meeting college representatives, going to college events at other schools. Don't tell them. And just putting myself in the place to learn as much as I could. And I started seeing results. And so from that point, I knew that that was my calling and I just ran ahead with it. And so I've been doing that since then. Wow. I I feel like this is such an important service and that, I mean, parents must just, you know, they must seek you out, I would imagine. But I know that you also work with employers. Um, so can you tell me about that? What how that sort of fits in with the workplace? Thank you for that. That's a great question. So there's, as I see it, parents are employers and employees and they have children. So why not provide the service to an employer and say, you have employees who are parents. Wouldn't you love to help them with other areas of their life. Because if you do that, then your employees will be thankful. They will be grateful. They will be excited to work there and not grateful in a, oh, I'm so glad you did this for me. But, oh, my friends work other places and they don't get this opportunity. So it can help employers stand out. Because as a parent, yes, I used to work in corporate America. But if I'm at work thinking about my child at her school or something that happened with her teacher in her class or wondering how I'm going to pay for her to go to college, all of those things affect me at work. I don't get to leave my life at home when I go to work. So employers can take advantage of these opportunities through using my services and help their employees who are also parents by opening that door. And they can help with employee retention, employee satisfaction, engagement, and so many other levels because we cannot continue to break apart our lives. That was old school. You go to work, you take off the fact that you're a mother or a wife or a daughter or whatever when you go to work. Those days are gone. We are our whole selves everywhere we go. And so we have to figure out how to move with fluidity through those different areas of our life. And so that's how the corporate world taps into what I'm doing. And it provides the service because my goal is to reach more students and parents. So whether that's through your employer, whether that's personally, whether that's through your school or your school district, or even your community organization, as long as I reach students and their families, expose them to their college options, help them find a clear path to get there and to be successful, to graduate, not just to get in, but also to get out of college, then that is what my mission is. Oh, yeah. It's uh, something that keeps a lot of us up at night, you know, the whole getting our kids to university, the cost of university, all of it. And I'm really interested. There's a quote that you have about with proper planning, college is more than possible. I'd love to learn more about that because I think a lot of people, for a lot of us, the stress is the cost. Yes, yes. And and typically that's what people come to me for. And in my opinion, that's one of the lesser things to be concerned about. Because in my career now, I'm in year 23 in education. I've seen students that had the A average or the higher scores and go to college and not be successful. I've seen students with lower grades and GPA and test scores go to college and be more successful. So it's not just about paying for college, although that is a significant part of it. Don't get me wrong. But the proper planning comes from not waiting until senior year. 
Definitely if your family is first generation, if you are underrepresented as a black woman, I know that many students of color are not exposed to some of those opportunities, which I mentioned earlier. And so when that happens, that means that we start later than other people, later than other groups of people. And what that means is how do we run and make sure that we reach our goals, not somebody else's goals, but ours. So that includes, for example, scholarships start in kindergarten. And many people don't know that. My granddaughter is six years old. At five, I applied for her first scholarship. Now, does it matter to me that she gets it or not? Not necessarily at her age. However, we had a conversation about this is for your future. After you go to school, you're going to college. That that's the expectation that I have. Of course, I know that's not for everyone, but as for me and my house, that's what it is. And so um, I wanted her to know that this will help us get money to pay for your education then. And she was excited. And so how do we make sure proper planning means doing it early and often, setting milestones and steps, not waiting until senior year and they're about to graduate from high school in the next six to eight months. And now you're trying to cram and find $200,000 or $100,000 or find a school if your grades weren't what what you expected them to be because no one told you that all four years of high school matter toward going to college, you know? So how do we make sure that students, especially the population that I spend most of my career working to help, how do we make sure that they don't make major missteps that can affect where they, their future lies or takes them longer to reach those goals. So that is where that was given to me. That was divine inspiration. I will absolutely say that is that when we plan more ahead of time, it doesn't mean a perfect path. It doesn't mean a path without bumps and hurdles. It just means that we take the time. As an example, we just finished the Olympics uh, last week, I believe. And so my question is, would you prepare for the Olympics in six months? When you talk to athletes, whether they win or not, win a medal or not, they have trained for many years, some of them from childhood. And it started at a lower pace and then it picked up. So not only college, but career is the same way. We have to start planning earlier so that we can find the right path for that family and that student so that they can be more successful in their journey. Now, my journey, their journey that I help them along the path. I hope that answered your question. That is amazing. Um, I guess my question is, when I think about that, is what about those people who are listening to this podcast and they think, uh-oh, my kid's in grade 10. Now what, now what do I do? Do I still have a long enough runway? The answer is yes. I've actually worked with seniors. And, and so I don't spend the time of saying, you should have, you should have, why didn't you, why didn't you, why didn't you? We could have that one sentence conversation. Now, if we had started earlier, it would be a little easier. However, we're here now, let's go, right? Mm -hmm. It's not to ignore the late runway, as you mentioned, but it's to say, are you willing to work harder? Are you willing to, let's get there? Are you willing to do what we need to do? Now let's look at our options. So yes, the options may have changed, For example, where I am from, you only need three years of science and three years of social science, or some people call it social studies. So if my student is applying to a college that requires four years of of math, four years of English, four years of social science, if they're a senior, it is impossible for them to go back. 
Mm. And to fix that. So sometimes we have to change our options and say, because of this, now here are our revised options. But yes, it is absolutely doable. It also depends on the commitment of the student and the family, what the options are that are available at that time and what the end goal is. So not impossible. It just takes some adjusting. So come on and let's work together. (laughs) So let's say I come and see you and we plan out all of this work together and you get my son into a college that he wants to go to. Tell me about for me now, how do I manage that transition of him leaving? Now, that is where my recent passion lies with that, right? With the transition, because what I saw with working with students for all these years is that we did all this work with the student and then it came time for the parent and the parent was falling apart. And I said, okay, now I have to include the whole family. And that was one of my shifts to having family college planning because I saw that the college students, especially if we're talking about first-generation college students, they had siblings and they had aunties and uncles and cousins and the rest of the village that surrounded them who were also affected and affected is not always bad. And so it is very important for families to prepare for the transition. If you are a single parent, and you have one or two children, and your child leaves to college, it will affect you. It will change your household, right? Your your oldest child can't pick up the youngest child from school anymore, can't help with dinner, can't help with household chores, can't help babysit if you have to work late or something. And so we have to understand it is a family planning situation. So there are several things that parents can do. Can I share the tips that I have with you? Okay, so I'll give you three. One is I definitely advocate for families to make family time. And I know that sounds real old school. um, That's some TV show type things. But what I found is when students go away to college and they have a stronger family network, they're more successful. So what does that mean? That can vary from having a monthly game night with the whole family or having family meetings when something major is coming up or about to come up. That could be us eating dinner together, which some families don't do anymore. You eat in your room on your device, you eat over here, you eat over here. We don't spend that time together. With COVID, families that used to worship together, whatever your faith is, you know that changed because there were churches that were closed or faith places that were closed. Now they're slowly opening up. But the goal is to, for family to do things together. It could even be family grocery shopping, whatever it is. It's about how do you make family moments? Because when those students go off to college, I promise they will remember. They will remember those family moments. They will remember the things that they did that they miss. And when they come back home, as an example, my youngest daughter's 26. She lives in another state. She took a job somewhere else. I'm very proud of her. But when she comes home, mom still cooks two of her favorite meals in bulk, puts them in the freezer. She gets on the plane. She takes them home. And once a week, she can have a family dinner without me, but she can eat mom's cooking at home. Now, do I have to do that? No, but I want her to know that she is loved and supported no matter where she lives. And if she can have a taste of home, That's an example of family moments. Two is strengthening your community. So whether it's based on culture, whether it's based on religion, whether it's based on your industry, whatever that is, how do you make sure that you are strengthening your community because community matters? 
So when you're talking about, again, my my background is mostly with first generation or students who have not been exposed to many of the college opportunities. So when they go to college, they have no reference point. Mom and dad may, did not go to college, so they can't share stories with them about things that they can do. And so community matters to make sure that they don't, as they used to say, mix in with the wrong crowd because they go away to school and it is like the candy store. You're meeting people from all walks of life and they've done all kinds of things that you've never heard of before. And you're walking around like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Stop. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> Calm, get, it, get it together. Calm down. And then third, discuss your family. I advocate for families to have family discussions. From when my daughters were in middle school, I want to say, and we don't have really middle schools in Chicago, so I'll say fourth grade, fourth or fifth grade. It was, you're going to college and you're going to get scholarships to pay for it. I made it no secret. We don't have a lot of money. We don't have money saved up. We didn't start some educational fund when you were born. I know some parents do, and maybe we should have, but we didn't. So you need scholarships. And just tell them that often. So when someone say, how are you going to college? I'm getting scholarships. Yes, let's go. That she, my children have a part. Parents have a part. Together we make it happen. And so having meetings about, not for kids to say, why don't you have any money saved up? No, it's, this is the family situation. If you want this to happen, this is how we all will do it together. And many families don't. So they get into debt. They take out too many loans. They, they make not the wisest decisions because they're trying to reach the goal and they're trying to do it in whatever way they can. And that may not always be the long-term best strategy. So those would be my three things. One, make memories with the family to make sure that the student is prepared to strengthen the community. And three, have some real honest conversations about what the family situation is and what could happen. And lastly, I'll add, I've even had parents to say, after my child graduates from high school, I cannot afford to help them anymore financially. So a student needs to know that so that they know how to move ahead past high school graduation without waiting till they graduate and say, okay, I'm done. <laughs> Go off, little birdie, figure it out. And so those would be my tips for managing the transition, my top three tips for that. Those are so helpful. I'm definitely going to use all of them. Um, I'm wondering, of course, because of my audience, if you can talk about how this impacts women specifically, because I get the sense, and I might be wrong, but it seems like the folks who are really working with their kids a lot to make college happen are women, typically. Can you talk about that? I can. And so in doing that, I'll have to phrase my words carefully. So there are some misnomers out there about, particularly in the Black community, as an example, since that's part of the group that I'm part of and proud to be part of, is that there's a misnomer out there, for example, that there are a lot of single parent families, right? That dads are absent and they're not there. And so that may be perpetuated in media and other places. And while that is partially true, there are also families that sometimes don't know what to do, right? So if you think about a family with a husband and a wife or a two-parent household, that they have roles. If I play a sport, the co coach has a role, the players have a role, the school has a role, and then within that team, we have an offensive coach and a defensive coach, right? So everybody has these different roles. Often in families, there are roles as well. So while the mother may be the person that I see the most, it doesn't mean that the father is absent 
or that the father is not participating. It could be that is the, the mother's designated role to handle some of those things. And so what I often see is for women, if they're not sure what to do, um, women, we often tend to be over analytical and I'm generalizing it. So just bear with me is that we can be over analytical. So if we don't know what to do, what do we do? We find out, we research, we talk to other moms, we go online, (laughs) we go over here, we go over there. We do all of this research before we can make a decision. And depending on when we start college planning, that could be time that we don't have. So how do we find someone that we can somewhat trust with our child's future and then we can still be part of the process, which is one of the reasons I don't work with students without the parent. And I even invite family members. So if you have grandma, auntie, cousins, whatever your culture says is your network, your nucleus, let's work together. So with women specifically, it becomes, uh, and not necessarily a juggling act, I want to say more like a seesaw. So this idea of balance, I don't believe is very honest, right? It's hard to balance. There are times in my life that my life was like this. It was about my career and my children got the short end of the stick when I was a new educator. Then it flips. So now I've been in education so long, my family is more important. And yes, I love my career, but I'm not sacrificing my family to do it. So there are many times in our life we just keep doing this and we just keep moving and balancing things. And so with women, part of it is, you know, figuring out at that moment what is most important to me. If my child is about to graduate from high school, it is absolutely urgent that I help them plan their future. In a year or two, maybe that's different. Maybe it's about me. I'm this close to a promotion, so I need to focus on that. And then once that happens, what is my shift again? So women, uh, we, we have so much strength and so many things that we do. And sometimes the word strength means that give me more. I'm strong. I can handle it. When in essence, we, sh- we, we can say, and I should be saying, we can say, I choose not to do that. I choose me in this moment that right now I am the priority and you are not the priority. And I I think that's what we're seeing now in the world, right? That women and families are saying, yes, a job is important. Yes, money is important. But family, especially during COVID, we've learned a lot of lessons about what is really most important in life. And so with women, you know, having our power to be all that we are and not to just put apart some parts of us because we feel a need to do whatever that fill in the blank is. This is amazing advice. And I can see a lot of women listening to the show, wanting to learn more about your work and where, where they can find you, where, where can they go if they want to work with you or find out more about what you're doing? Thank you. Thank you for that. So one, I want to say I have something, a gift for your audience. Can I share that? Yeah, absolutely. And so if you are listening to to this and you tell me that you are part of the age sister family or that you heard this podcast and give me one thing that you took away from today that I will give you or gift you a complimentary conversation so that we can, you can walk away. And this is not just a let's talk for two minutes and then just give me some, you give me information. We talk together. And when you get off the call with me, a 20 minute call, you will walk away with at least two things that you can do as soon as we get off of our call, whether that's a video call or a telephone call. And so I want to give that to your audience because again, my personal mission is to reach as many students, parents, and families as I can 
to fulfill my assignment. And so that's what I want to do. So to reach me, I am on social media platforms, the at sign MGM College SVCS, which is services abbreviated. So MGM College Services. My website is www.mgmcollegeservices.com spelled out. So you can reach me one of two ways. You can also go to my website. You can click contact us. It will send me a direct message. And I would love to see how we can work together and how we could be of service to one another. I will say I am pretty non-traditional. So in a direct coaching relationship, I like to tell it like it is. Let's talk about where it is and let's move ahead and not spend a whole lot of time in the never, never wish I could have. Why did not land? Let's go from where we are and move forward. So whether your child is in middle school, which is the earlier grades, all the way through about to leave high school, we can find a plan for you. But even if we are not a good match, you still will leave the call with one or two things that you can do immediately. So that is my gift to you. And I look forward to hearing from you to hear how the information shared could help you and your students and your families. Wow, Marilyn, that's so generous. And, you know, I always just love talking to you. You're one of my favorite people to talk to. And uh, I'll make sure that all of your information are in the show notes. um, And we'll make sure that people can contact you through all of your links mentioned. I'll put those in. And thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you. My last thing is before I leave is I want to make sure if you work for a company and you would love to see college planning services offered to employees at your company that you would not have to pay for, your employer would cover the cost of that. If you are interested in that and you work at any company that has parents of any age, you can also reach me at the same contact information. And I want to leave you that with proper planning, college is more than possible. And so instead of dreaming about it, make it a reality because it can shift the family for now and for generations to come. Thank you, Kate. Thank you, Marilyn. Thanks for listening to the Age Sister Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to rate and review the episode on your favorite podcast app. We'll also be posting the show notes and any other important information at www.cardeahealthconsulting.com.